2: This is Radio Wave Meganomics with your host, a friend of Megagoria.
3: I was reflecting on why I built my house the way I built it. And when I was doing contracting, I saw some houses that had libraries in it. And I thought to myself, I've always wanted my own library. Yet we wanted to build a beautiful house, a dream home, but a modest house. We didn't want to overbuild. We wanted something big enough to raise children in. And then when we get older it'd be small enough to still live in without having to keep up some kind of a mansion and so without having the concept of throwing away the tv i was with everybody else i always kind of had somewhat of an aversion to television but not knowing i didn't put a library in there because i didn't have the tv to watch we had tv we had tv in it right up to maria was there in 1988 the version and the truth about television and through the messages came out later. And I acted on that with all my heart and resulted in the book, I See Far. But I put the library in because I wanted my children to be able to go there and read something. Today, it's astounding, scandalous, how little people read. They say, yeah, I'll read but that's text and all this other stuff, electronics. Word of people just really are well-read today, they're not. It's really shameful, and it's part of the reason that we have the people that are low information, even if they're intelligent, even if they're high IQ, even if they're of a certain status. There's people out there that are influenced by what surrounds them and what they're told and what they see, rather than digging. I'm not speaking about reading just for knowledge purpose because that's not good if you don't understand the context of the knowledge being given to you because knowledge can be biased. You got to know how to read what you're reading if there's an agenda behind it or if there's things you want to accept and take. It's amazing how we pick. Things in the scriptures and how we pick the message at random and we popularized that. Nobody was doing that when the words come out. In fact, people weren't even looking at the messages. This is something we put out there and it's gone worldwide. And how do we know that? How do I know that? Because we were familiar with all the organizations and everything in Medjugorje. Nobody was doing. It. In fact, we were. I was criticized for doing it. Just picking them at random. But Jesus went to Nazareth. And as the custom is, on the Sabbath, you go to the synagogue, and they gave him a scroll at random. And at random, he picked the verse, about the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, I've come to set the captives free, etc. And then he says, this is being fulfilled in your hearing. So this morning, not thinking about that Bible verse until after I did this, I walked in the library and said, "Okay, imagine how much today I'm really not interested in talking any politics or anything that's going over. Give me a subject, Mary." Walked into my library, grabbed a book at random, opened it up at random, and it was an amazing thing. It's just, it's kind of a secular book, but what I read was fascinating, and I think it's good for everybody to hear this. And lo and behold, I come up and told Ries, I want to read this out of the book. It's a little bit long read. I know reading on the air, it gets boring. He says, you know, I think we've got this book uh, on audio. So he found it and we did it. And we're going to play that right now. And the subject will explain itself.
4: How to remove old emotional scars. We can prevent and immunize ourselves against emotional scars By practicing the three foregoing rules. But what about the old emotional scars formed in the past? The old hurts, grudges, grievances against life, resentments. Once an emotional scar has formed, there is but one thing to do. And that is to remove it by surgery. The same as a physical scar. Give yourself a spiritual facelift. In removing old emotional scars, you alone can do the operation. You must become your own plastic surgeon and give yourself a spiritual facelift. The results will be new life and new vitality, a newfound peace of mind and happiness. To speak of an emotional facelift and the use of mental surgery is more than a simile. Old emotional scars cannot be doctored or medicated. They must be cut out, given up entirely, eradicated. Many people apply various kinds of salve or balm to old emotional wounds, but this simply does not work. They may self-righteously forego overt and physical revenge, yet take it out or get even in many subtle ways. A typical example is the wife who discovers her husband's infidelity. Upon the advice of her minister and or psychiatrist, she agrees she should forgive him. Accordingly, she does not shoot him, she does not leave him, In all overt behavior, she is a dutiful wife. She keeps the house neatly. She prepares meals well, and so on. But she makes his life hell on earth in many subtle ways by the coldness of her heart and by flaunting her moral superiority. When he complains, her answer is, Well, dear, I did forgive you, but I cannot forget. Her very forgiveness becomes a thorn in his side because she is conscious of the fact that it is proof of her moral superiority. She would have been more kind to him and been happier herself had she refused this type of forgiveness and left him. Forgiveness is a scalpel that removes emotional scars. I can forgive, but I cannot forget is only another way of saying, I will not forgive, said Henry Ward Beecher. Forgiveness ought to be like a cancelled note torn in two and burned up so that it never can be shown against one, unquote. Forgiveness, when it is real and genuine and complete and forgotten, is the scalpel which can remove the pus from old emotional wounds, heal them, and eliminate scar tissue. Forgiveness which is partial or half-hearted works no better than a partially completed surgical operation on the face. Pretended forgiveness, which is entered into as a duty, is no more effective than a simulated facial surgery. Your forgiveness should be forgotten, as well as the wrong which was forgiven. Forgiveness which is remembered and dwelt upon re the wound you are attempting to cauterize. If you're too proud of your forgiveness, or remember it too much, you are very apt to feel that the other person owes you something for forgiving him. You forgive him one debt, but in doing so he incurs another, much like the operators of small loan companies who cancel one note and make out a new one every two weeks. Forgiveness is not a weapon. There are many common fallacies regarding forgiveness, and one of the reasons that its therapeutic value has not been more recognized is the fact that real forgiveness has been so seldom tried. For example, many writers have told us that we should forgive to make us good. We have seldom been advised to forgive that we might be happy. Another fallacy is that forgiveness places us in a superior position, or is a method of winning out over our enemy. This thought has appeared in many glib phrases such as, Don't merely try to get even. Forgive your enemy, and you get ahead of him. Tillotson, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, tells us, A more glorious victory cannot be gained over another man than this, that when the injury began on his part, the kindness should begin on ours. This is just another way of saying that forgiveness itself can be used as an effective weapon of revenge, which it can. Revengeful forgiveness, however, is not therapeutic forgiveness. Therapeutic forgiveness cuts out, eradicates, cancels, makes the wrong as if it had never been. Therapeutic forgiveness is like surgery. Give up grudges as you would a gangrenous arm. First, the wrong, and particularly our own feeling of condemnation of it, must be seen as an undesirable thing rather than a desirable thing. Before anyone can agree to have an arm amputated, he must cease to see the arm as a desirable thing to be retained, but as an undesirable, damaging, and threatening thing to be given up. In facial surgery, there can be no partial, tentative, or halfway measures. The scar tissue is cut out completely and entirely. The wound is allowed to heal cleanly, and care is taken to see that the face will be restored in every particular, just as it was before injury, and just as if the injury had never been. You can forgive if you're willing. Therapeutic forgiveness is not difficult. The only difficulty is to secure your own willingness to give up and do without your sense of condemnation, your willingness to cancel out the debt with no mental reservations. We find it difficult to forgive only because we like our sense of condemnation. We get a perverse and morbid enjoyment out of nursing our wounds. As long as we can condemn others, we can feel superior to them. No one can deny that there is also a perverse sense of satisfaction in feeling sorry for yourself. Your reasons for forgiveness are important. In therapeutic forgiveness, we cancel out the debt of the other person not because we have decided to be generous, do a favor, or we are a morally superior person. We cancel the debt, mark it null and void, not because we have made the other person pay sufficiently for the wrong, but because we have come to recognize That the debt itself is not valid true forgiveness comes only when we are able to see and emotionally accept that there is and was nothing for us to forgive we should not have condemned or hated the other person in the first place not long ago i went to a luncheon also attended by a number of clergy the subject of forgiveness came up in general and then the case of the adulterous woman whom jesus forgave in particular i listened to a very learned discussion of why jesus was able to forgive the woman how he forgave her, how his forgiveness was a rebuke to the churchmen of his time who were ready to stone her, etc., etc. Jesus didn't forgive the adulterous woman. I resisted the temptation to shock these gentlemen by pointing out that actually Jesus never forgave the woman at all. Nowhere in the narrative, as it appears in the New Testament, is the word forgive or forgiveness used or even hinted at nor can it be reasonably implied from the facts as given in the story. We are told merely that after her accusers had left, Jesus asked the woman, Hath no man condemned thee? When she answered in the negative, he said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You cannot forgive others unless you have first condemned them. Jesus never condemned the woman in the first place, so there was nothing for him to forgive. He recognized her sin or her mistake but did not feel called on to hate her for it. He was able to see before the fact what you and I must see after the fact in practicing therapeutic forgiveness. That we ourselves err when we hate others because of their mistakes, when we condemn them, or when we classify them as certain types, confusing the person with the behavior, or when we mentally incur a debt that others must pay before being restored to our good graces and our emotional acceptance. Whether you ought to do this, whether you should do it, or whether you can reasonably be expected to do it, is a matter outside the scope of this program and my own field. I can only tell you as a doctor that if you will do it, you will be far happier and healthier, and you will attain more peace of mind. However, I would like to point out that this is what therapeutic forgiveness is, and that it is the only type of forgiveness that really works. And if forgiveness is anything less than this, we might as well stop talking about it.
3: So do you hear that on Sunday mornings? No, you don't. It takes somebody outside the church looking at from another perspective to come up with things that we need to be fed. We're not being fed. The second of most writing talks about that. That's why you have to be well-read. You read these things that are profound. I'm not saying even his theology about the adulteress is perfect or whatever he's saying or in what context he's saying. The point is there's truth in this writing of Maxwell Moss. That's amazing stuff. You learn, you broaden your view of things and understanding by reading not just religious stuff, but secular things sometimes that have a profound effect on religion. In fact, if you look at Jesus's parable, almost all his parables was about a story that never mentioned nothing about God, never mentioned anything about theology. Didn't mention any thing about the churches and all this stuff. It was stories about just the farmer, the, the sower, the ox in the ditch, the coin. Pay the temple tax, go down and get it out of the fish's mouth. All the stories that we have in the Bible were not theological stories. Uh, a month ago or so, we was out of town, and we heard a sermon, and what he said, the priest, didn't do anything to me. Except making me want to stand up and scream, You're not feeding me. I don't want to rehear all the scriptures that you just read. We're not being fed, and therefore you gotta find sources to feed you. Keratus has come out of a cow pasture. This came out of any nothing, basically, by following the messages. And people are fed by it. They're fed by it because what I write I've got a broad interest in everything, from science to medical to agrarian whatever the topic, I'm interested in it. And I can always find something that I can read the messages and through the view of the messages, find a religious purpose or a higher purpose to my life as far as what I live. And so I'm wanting to crack this open for you. Don't Allow the knowledge that comes to you that's given to you from the world. You go find something. You make a library. Every house could have a library. Just make one wall. Change things. Redecorate. Whatever you got to do, you need to have material there that before you go to bed, you read something. I've got 30 years of Reader's Digest on my top shelf. National Geographic from 1911 all the way to 1980 started canceling at that point because they started going AWOL. And a bunch of other books in there. The grandkids come up on Sunday nights and says, read drama in real life. It's about people that are, made something happen or they fell off a ship or they're drowning. There's stories about that. There's something to learn in that. And at the end of it, usually I give them spiritual talk about it without it sounding spiritual because it's about a subject that's very interesting. So what has medionomics got to do with all this? People don't know how to deal with their money. They don't know how to deal with their kids. They think the thing to do is send your kids to university, save money when they're born to start paying for college education. No, you have to give them something more than that. You have to give them a way of life, and that comes from community. That comes from the individual. That community makes individualism powerful. The world, which runs itself by individualism, makes individual nobody. You have talents that you put together in a community that goes to like-minded people that makes your talent shine much brighter as an individual in the community, which makes you more important as an individual in general society. We all feel important here because we have a higher purpose than ourselves. and it's not ego. It's not about anything else we're able to do and shine out because we've got so many different things we do in community. In a community, there's various positions and jobs for whatever, and you you gravitate toward that, and you're honing your talents, polishing that up, and you shine. And so everybody's searching through the world. They're going this way and that way, and they're really lost. What has this got to do about forgiveness? This story is just a good example of why you need to be well-read I learned something from it. You can always learn something from somebody, even from an idiot. You can learn what not to be. So you, there's, everything's a lesson. It's just what you're going through life for. So our ladies come to not do an overhaul. Our ladies come to start something new in the world. Medianomics was started because she asked for Thursday to be the day that Matthew 6 be read. Because everything in the world is driven by the dollar. Everything goes by that. And so we get creative. I've been to Bruderbach many times. I've read about St. Catherine's life. I exposed things and read things and prepared it to Medjugorje about the cross on Cross Mountain in Medjugorje, how it ties to Brutabach. I got that from being real read. I didn't read that from somebody else. I got it from deducing all the things I've read and put something together that nobody's ever said about the cross in Medjugorje. Of what happened in Rootabot where our lady asked for something and they didn't do it and it ends up in Medjugorje. Read ain't gonna happen. It's fascinating. When our lady revealed it to me through being well read. I became fascinated with this analogy. I'm not for plastic surgery, but his analogy is very well taken what this doctor just talked about. And I'm open not to biased knowledge, but to all knowledge that can help me grow closer to God and to holiness and what I need to do and what you need to do and what this community needs to do. So how is it that our lady hinges a major part of Medjugorje on Thursday reading in Matthew 6, except what the scripture says when Jesus said, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, the love of money. And so how can you change money, which we have to have means of exchange since the day when everything was born. All the way through, we've had compensation. We had dispensation of our wealth to give something, to get something in exchange. And that gave me the ability to develop and design the Miraculous Metal or around a one-ounce piece. And it's tremendously successful because it captivated the heart of, hey, I've got to have funds. I've got to have savings. Do I want to keep it in a bank or do I want to keep it in metal? And if I keep it in metal, how can I do a purpose, dual purpose, of something that's part of life to make it sanctified that would bring people to conversion? There's been over 2 million maybe going on 3 million rounds of this, not sold. That's a mistake to say that it's sold. If you want to buy something, you're buying that product and you're paying for it. You're not buying the Moroccan measure you were around. You're exchanging money for something. The only money that's extra is $1.60 over spot. You're paying the silver price what the actual worth is from your dollars into pure silver. It's still worth that. Yes, it fluctuates, goes up and down. But one thing that won't crash where the dollar is is the intrinsic value that it has that the dollar doesn't have or investments so the stock market. It doesn't have intrinsic value, meaning it's from God. The placement of value on silver is from God. So if it's something part of life, and you can do what I did with my swim poo, and I consecrated it and when I did it, way before Medjugorje, I said, God, I don't know what you want to do with the swimming pool, but I consecrate it to you. And it's where I was with the priest and our family. Priests priest used to come from EWTM because they had people around them all the time. they come out here to relax. Is where we planned and set in concrete. If you ever go to Medjugorje, I told a priest this. If you ever go to Medjugorje, I'm, you sign me up immediately. I want to go there. I don't know how to get there. It was communist at that time. We couldn't even, nobody was going there. Six months later, he call me. But through this swim pool, this what would be considered as wealth, or considered a luxury, I gave it to God, and He He used this, and he used it over and over and over. And I almost thought it was kind of crazy. What are you going to do this? Give God a swim pool for? But He does that. Once you give it to God, He's smart enough to figure out how to use it. And so that got me started in, in Medellin, because I consecrated and I was serious about it. I didn't know that. Outcome of it. And it's the same thing with the miraculous Medjugorje round. You want to sanctify your money, and it's got the miraculous medal on it. Our Lady comes in Medjugorje on November 27th, 1989, with the anniversary of the miraculous medal. Our Lady actually reinstates the miraculous medal in our hearing, just like Jesus did in the scriptures at this moment, which is very rare. That referring back to past apparitions or something in the past that is invigorated because I already added to it. She says, I want you to spread the devotion of the miraculous model. And I want you to pray for all those who are carrying it to bring their soul to salvation. This is in the medieval apparitions. So learning about the economy, being where red, read, I reasoned out how can we get people to implement and live this message in Medjugorje about the miraculous medal and get people carry it naturally without even thinking about it, giving it to people who would accept it where they wouldn't accept a simple medal. So we came up with the one-ounce piece with the miraculous medal on it and is loved by even secular people. We've heard stories of people that go to pawn shops or coin dealers. I heard a story of where somebody was in the coin shop and somebody brought it in, actually, a miraculous measure go around. And the guy said, where'd you get this from? I've been looking for these things. I'll buy all these that you can find. It's an extraordinary specialty round. The extraordinary part is what it does is when it's dispensed, it carries grace. And we are to do what Jesus says. He says, do what the world does. You see how they do? You see how, what they propagate? You do the same thing. So yeah, we're hijacking and we're getting on top of something that's out there. And if we can change the means of exchange to that or saving your metals in that, then we got future metals that will be in people's hands that need conversion. It's a win-win. You can say, well, we're biased. Of course we are. It's a project. It's a spiritual project. And we do this with purpose and intent. And yes, it helps our mission. Because our mission is to bring people to conversion. And our mission is to bring and spread the messages throughout the whole world. We're not ashamed of that. We have no apologies for that. And so here it is, using this valuable information from Dr. Maxwell Maltz, about forgiveness and about spiritual healing, of how he comes in from a psychiatric point. His book actually calls Psycho Cybernetics, and it's a pretty good book. I haven't read the whole book. In fact, I ain't picked it up for a year. I got it for Christmas. My son got it for me last year and I opened it up right to there. The value of that is what the world needs, and that's what he's coming to reconcile the whole world. And people need extra help. And by whatever conniving we can do, whatever plan we can do with an agenda, sneaking a miraculous medal in their pants or in their pocket or in the means of exchange 100 years from now. I've got several dollars from when I got my first communion. I'm not going to throw them away. And they're old. They're in the 1800s. I didn't get my first communion there, but a lot of was still going on in the 1950s. They had a lot of 1800 silver dollars. So we're going to be very innovative, creative, and very proactive. So I'm, I'm telling you, do something for God. Do something for yourself. Protect what you have in your savings and save it in metal. It's just that simple. And remember, in doing so, you want that to be blessed. You want to be fruitful on yourself and on people's conversions, too. You can actually use your savings for people's conversion. But there's more to that, too, because forgiveness is the key to everything. And this read that Dr. Maxwell spoke of is what Jesus said when you go to the altar to give your offering. I'm saying analogy now with, with your putting your savings in the miraculous medical around. He says, leave the altar if you've got a problem with your brother and seek forgiveness or forgive him. See how beautiful everything is? You get more out of turning the messages into secular things than you would just talking about scriptures all day and just the scriptures. It's sterile repetition. We don't need any more of that. Our day says, read the Bible every day. And if you read that every day and you're well read, you'll see things biblically from its point of view and can explain it as nobody else can.
2: An important spiritual project that a friend of Mejigory launched just uh, about two weeks ago about a week and a half or so ago, is the Winds of Change Billboard project. This is a very important spiritual project. Our phones have been ringing off the hook, and we have uh, probably at this time three or four people answering phones just to keep up with the calls that are coming in to sponsor the billboards. So we have requests for people in other nations and we have a a number of requests for some of the larger cities. And we'll probably be also mentioning some areas that we want to look at some more prime locations and we'll probably be coming and asking for specific plays for those particular things, but be actively involved in this uh, for a small donation of $145 You can sponsor a 10 by 22 billboard to be placed. So uh, be sure to uh, contact us here at Caritas or go to Medge.com and click on billboards.
3: So always remember to begin your day with a prayer. What is the work, Mary, you have for me today in the propagation of the messages? We've got things sitting for years of projects that we could do we don't have the funding behind it. We've got the infrastructure, we've got the machine, we can do it. We just don't have the funds for it. So we need to expand our base. So I'm wanting to end this, that you remember this mission. Donate to it. Gift it. Because that gift results in the conversion of sinners, us first, you first. But through that, those who are headed toward perdition. We see and hear testimonies every day about this. So remember us in this work of Our Lady and support it. Pray for it. Offer communions for it. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye.
2: This ends the Metronomic Show with a friend of Metagoria. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.